For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hi, I'm Sam Killerman from Gamers Against Bigotry. Sign our pledge and stand up against bigotry in games, and you are listening to The Geek Show. Uh, welcome to the Geek Show. It's Sunday. It's five o'clock, and yes, we're here. Hey, hi, hi. It's a couple of minutes late, just a tiny bit. Ta- oh, tiny bit late. Not good. We apologise for being tardy. We'll go sit in the car now. Then <laughs> <laughs> just listen to music for two hours. Yeah, that could also work. <laughs> yes, today we're talking about uh, copy pasta. Tastes weird. Yeah. <laughs> Most people will get that. I had, to, I had to explain it to our new friend, Dan. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Fine. Not too bad. Not yeah. too bad. I had to explain it was copy-paste. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not yes. a good day. Not having a good day today. <laughs> no. Um, joining us today, we have Chris. Hello. We have Dan. And obviously, I'm here. Uh, Rob is going to turn up as well in a bit. Yes. He's running late, as usual. But he <laughs> does have a good reason. Uh how you guys been this week? Ah, not too bad. Same old, same old. Work, uni, blah. Work, uni, blah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just pretty much the same. Uh, finished the final work for uni, and uh, so work, uni, blah for you as well. Pretty much. Pretty much. Party Does hard. everyone just work, uni, blah these days? Well, blah is partying, but you know, I can only party so much. See, blah for me is more playing music and. I don't really get much chance to party now, so it's not me partying is me by myself in front of my computer watching television shows. It's a party. That used to be party for me. Yeah. Used to be party for me, but I can't do it now. I just can't do Celebration it. Celebration of one. 
that just sounds wrong. Yeah, I'm a little. Bit, I think yeah. we'll just leave that there and go into I'm the not news. celebrating myself. <laughs> <laughs> if that's why everyone's asking. Just for you though, I am going to play that. Now. Ooh, <laughs> sweet. Um, yeah. <laughs> We do have some news. First up is Your Face in Space, or alternative title is Please Refrain from Spying. Um, you weren't with us at the time, Chris. We did talk about this uh, quite a while ago. It's before your time on the show. Yeah. Um, there's a company that is looking to mine space asteroids. Well, asteroids in space, sorry. And they're putting together all sorts of projects and stuff like that. And they are, you know... The, the investors in this company include Google's Larry Page and Eric Schmidt, James Cameron, Ross Perot Jr., that is, and loads of other kind of really, really wealthy, well-to-do people. But what else are they going to do with multi, their money? Are they going to donate it to charities? Of course not. They're yeah. going to go mine the moon. But here's the thing. There's two curious, uh, two curiosities about this story, and I don't mean Mars. has nothing to do with it. Um, first one is... With all these multi-million dollar inve- investors, <coughs> mm-hmm. why on earth would you need a Kickstarter project? What? <laughs> yeah, that, no, I can't. They're just trying to take money off the people now. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's tons of Kickstarter projects going off left, right and centre now. In Zach Braff's. What's Zach Braff doing? What's... I don't know, he's doing a film with to be honest, I think um, that, uh, Sheldon Cooper. No, mm. To be honest, I think that every person called Zach should be banned from Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> if your name's Zach... You're not getting in. No. <laughs> but if you look like him, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay to look like him, mm-hmm. just as long as you're not called I'll, Zach. Yeah. yeah. I got um, the neck and nose. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's not the that's not the weirdest thing about this, though. The weirdest thing about this is the Kickstarter itself, mm-hmm. right? Um, what they're looking to do, a company's called Plan- Planetary Resources. They're going to dis- deploy several different types of spacecraft. The first step is the Arcid 100, which is a small relatively inexpensive satellite with a telescope that will be put into Earth's orbit. Now, people can donate to the Kickstarter, and at the lower end, you know, you can get a spa- what they call a space selfie, which is basically a picture of you, you know, uh, superimposed on a picture of the satellite or the spaceship or something like that, overlooking Earth or in space. Your face in space. Well. Yeah. Your face in space, basically. But that's what I'm saying. You could e- just as easily Photoshop yeah, that. Exactly. Um... Afternoon ship to Mars. Yeah. That basic that costs you twenty five pounds. Sorry, twenty five dollars, sixteen pounds fifty. Right, we'll get you that. Um, oh no, sorry, no. That space selfie is uh, is not that. Uh, for sixteen pounds fifty, a picture of your choosing will display on the arcade screen. It'll take a picture of itself with the Earth in the background. Yeah, so is that? Sorry, uh, I misread. So it's Instagram and space. Yeah, it's Instagram and space. Um, Going up, you don't actually have any control over the satellite, though. Right, this is the important thing. As you go up the levels of donation, though, um, you get to do stuff like use Arcade to take a picture of anything you want in space or on Earth. Now, this to me, this is why I said also, please refrain from spying. This to me is just kind of, I'm sorry, but... I wonder what Amanda Amanda Mm. Bynes is doing right now. Yes, I can probably imagine. <laughs> I, what, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what I what I what I'm saying. So much abuse waiting to happen. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna get it. In not in that type of way. <laughs> yeah. in yeah. way. I was just waiting for him to qualify that particular <laughs> comment. Oh, I just need Kelso to shout burn after everything I say. Burn. Yep. 
But yeah, um, Kickstarter is attempting to raise one million dollars, which is pocket change for Larry Page and Eric Schmidt. Definitely, <laughs> you know, uh, in thirty-two days, which is obviously a lot. But uh, obviously, we've seen video games mm-hmm. raise more than that yeah. in, sp- in the matter of hours. So definitely. But just because to go to show you the priorities of people who actually look at Kickstarter, like for something, well, for something that's supposed to be, you know, supposed to be helping sites. I mean, these guys uh, who are doing this, they also want people to donate the time that they get on the site, like to schools and stuff like that, mm-hmm. to help with science projects. That's perfectly fine and noble, but I doubt many people are going to do that. Yeah. Instead, they will want to try and focus on their favorite celebrity and see what they're doing. Yeah. Um, how many, how many paparazzi are going to abuse this? Oh, my God. Oh, all of them. <laughs> if you could have the choice of just staring at someone, just like, oh, I want to go check out that person's window. Hello, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> I, li- I like to look at all the messed up things. No, you'd say, it, it would be more like, hello, Lindsay, hello, Han. My eyes! <laughs> Definitely. She does not look 25. No. Is that what she is? Nah. Yeah, she's 25. No. Yeah, seriously. Word. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on from the uh, potential abuse that is uh, giving people access to a, what's effectively a spy satellite. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds fun. A pretty basic one, but it's still effectively a spy satellite. I wonder what China would have to say about that, by the way. Oh, <laughs> after them and Google. <laughs> fun for all. Yes. Uh, make your dreams real. Right. <laughs> I don't know where to start with this one. It's called Think a Thing, right? Um, it's a product that's received funding from the Chilean government and has been developed with the help of Sounds school legit. children in the region. One of the aims is to make 3D printing and creating more accessible. The technology uses an emotive epoch headset with a 14-point detection system to pick up on electronic activity in the brain and correlates different emotional states with different electronic frequencies. This then matches up with the 3D printer, and it then prints off a shape based on your brainwaves, right? So it could be, like, hands and various other things like that. It could be all sorts. It could be anything. Problem is, right, they're saying that you can make your dreams into a reality. Now, Mm. think about some of your dreams for a second. Well, I had one that where I was being chased by a giant fly. Yeah, I mean, if it's anything like the dream I had, you know, the other day of, you know, disastrous city and then all of a sudden I'm on stage with seal at the very end, so <laughs> essentially just print out the seal, you know. So, hang on, it was a city, a disaster city, and then you were on stage with seal. Yeah, yeah, it, it was uh, quite an entertaining uh Experience. I didn't know what was going on when I woke up, but uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So intriguing. So I'm, I'm intrigued by this. What about you? What's the weirdest dream that you've had that you would like to see as uh, you know printed off with a 3D printer? Are you I wrote to me. Yes. <laughs> oh, we're staring at the corner. What was the question again? <laughs> the weirdest. They basically developed a, a, a system where you can. A 3D printer can pick up on your brainwaves and basically turn your dreams into 3D printed objects. Oh, it'd be like Salvador Dali art if it was <laughs> my dreams. It'd be life that or the re- weird recurring dream of my childhood was being baked in a pie at a local bakery and waking up in a cold sweat. It was like a 10 minute dream as well and I remembered it all my life. If it can print that, fair play. 
that's uh, that beats my one of being being chased by a giant fly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking childhood dreams, I think you know, for me, it'd be some sort of evil ET trying to you know put some lava bombs in my buff and you know. Interesting, you should mention evil ET. We'll come to that later. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have said mine was. Uh, Turkey has a lot to answer for. Locking <laughs> this kid in the wooden washing machine. A what? A wooden washing machine. To lock a kid in a wooden washing machine, gladly I had one at school, so I locked a kid inside of it. My dream came true. I'm getting worried about him now. Yeah. <laughs> I was a strange boy. I was. It was fun nursery, though. Nursery? No, I remember that far back. You're broken, you are. <laughs> I'm just pushing people in the sand pit at nursery. <laughs> Not locking them in washing machines. No, no, nothing like uh, that. teacher didn't find them for like an hour. It was great. Not so much on his <laughs> side, though. No. <laughs> Couldn't hear him shout because, like, I blocked all the entrances off with loads of stuff. So, you know, he was stuck in there for Are, are you really a murderer? No. Have we invited the wrong person on the show? <laughs> no, no, no. Not yet. <laughs> but yeah, Until he finds what's a face. <laughs> what's a face? Yeah. And, uh... Manda, manda, manda. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, programs, uh, this whole system, I, 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 the, it's supposed to help kids. But I, I see years of therapy <laughs> in the no. future. Oh, he was a bully and I got him back. I don't mean that. I mean these Chilean kids. Oh, these Chilean kids. Well, I see years of therapy. Can you imagine? He's like, oh yeah, I dreamt of this and this and this. This no, is the real. physical reality of your dream. They're just creating the monster that actually hunts you at night. <laughs> just put hmm. a few strings. On it. You, can put you, it, you should put it on your bedside table so you see it every night before you go to sleep. It's... <laughs> It's like the Blue Peter version of the DC Mini in Paprika. Yes. <laughs> Instead of having a weird little head-up display and an iPad, you get a nice little thing that you made. Yeah. You Here's one I made earlier. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, moving on. Project Overkill. Plan X. Now, the Pentagon has allowed... They've brought us some genius ideas over the years and some things that... Truly awesome and also truly stupid at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one I am putting in the latter category because it's the last thing that we really need in this world. <laughs> Basically, what they've done, they've made Cyber War as easy as playing Angry Birds. Yeah, so it does get difficult. So my six-year-old, my six-year-old brother plays Angry Birds. Yeah. Like- he could if he if he had access to this he could start a war with China or Russia or just about any other country in the world you pick a target computer you uh, you know the all it takes is a finger swipe and a few taps of the touchscreen and a cyber attack is prepped to begin so you just press a button and it launches a cyber attack on whatever target you pick it was kind of a Simpsons episode like that but back against Australia yes so that's yeah. a, that's a reality now that, that's exactly <laughs> it. Cool. Oh, very dear. Oh, oh dear. I'd like yeah. to hear that on the news. I mean, for the last year, the Pentagon's top technologists have been working on a program that will make cyber warfare relatively easy, called Plan X. They did a demo of it. And the demo looks like a video game. Um, it's got sleek Silicon Valley-style production, everything like that, and it's so simple that even an idiot could use it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know. I'm not hinting at anything by saying that and the words Pentagon and America in the same sentence. Yeah. Mm. You know. 
But I'll just let you guys consider that for a second. Mm. My five-year-old nephew knows how to use my PlayStation. He knows how to play FIFA. He knows how to put his games on and turn the PlayStation oh, off yeah. properly, everything like that. Uh, sorry, six-year-old now. He can handle this easy. He's, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my little brother's playing on the Wii and stuff, and sometimes he amazes me and what he does on this, you know, the scores he gets on it. And uh, No, I can't handle this. The fact that my little brother, who's six-year-old, can, you know, possibly... Did you ever remember that movie called War Games with Matthew Broderick? Yes. Yes. It's like that only with a younger cast. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be more amusing, though, like after the, you know, terrorise a country. It's not time and milk. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a cookie if they've really destroyed a good amount of cities. Nice little gold star. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Do you think they're going to use that to attack, like, Iran or somewhere? <laughs> get Today, a fire, children, get a Iran is our target. <laughs> Give them access to this program and say, right, why don't, you try, uh, why don't you try going for this place over here? Where is that place? Oh, don't worry, it's nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Batman treat in it for you. <laughs> That's how you persuade them. We'll let you take take care of the pet stick insect. (laughs) (coughs) Whatever happened to those, you know, they don't do that in schools these days. They don't keep, like, pets in classes and stuff. Because someone always kills it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Let's just leave it there. Moving on. Project Overkill and WTF Ward, and this one actually proves that we don't just have weapons of mass destruction and things that could potentially destroy the planet in our Project Overkill section. Rocket bicycle. No, I'm not A rocket bicycle? A rocket bicycle. That sounds awesome. Right. Um, Cyclist Francois Gissy has reached a top speed of 263 kilometers per hour on his bicycle. And how did he do it? He put a bleeding rocket on it and raced it. And That's broke exactly the land speed record on a, ro- on a rocket bicycle. If he put one of those cartons in his back wheel and did that, it sounded amazing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and looked amazing. It's like a super powerful motorbike. Yeah. Bike. Yeah. They don't I, do that anymore. Why don't the kids put cartons in their back wheels? What's wrong with you kids? <laughs> now we had like, a, you know, they used to use those plastic tags for the bags that you used to get bread in. Yeah. We used to put those on our wheels. God, you are old, aren't you? <laughs> he remembers them. He's younger than you. <laughs> I used I'm, not, I'm, I'm not going with that angle. You're just old, Rob. We established this on the show. You're old. And? <laughs> it's terrible. It's a shame we didn't know each other. No, don't worry. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Yes. Ah. That's just thrown me completely. Anyway, uh, Gissy outfitted his bike with a powerful monopropellant rocket, concentrated liquid hydrogen peroxide, uh, about 90% concentrated, compared to the 3% stuff sold in some pharmacies, is fed from a storage tank into the secondary chamber filled with a catalyst, typically silver. This causes the chemical bonds to break down and the hydrogen peroxide to decompose into heat water in the form of 344 degrees C steam and oxygen Steam's forced through a rocket nozzle and uh, to provide thrust. The Swiss company Exotic Thermo Engineering built the one-off rocket used in Gissy's attempt. Exotic Thermo Engineering. Why are they putting this on the skateboard? <laughs> if they have a skateboard version, you'll be up for it, won't you? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'd be up for it. 
it'd definitely end badly. It'd definitely end badly, but... I'd like to see it on a moped as well. On a moped. No, I don't Apparently think make it... a moped badass. Nah, no, no, the, no, 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 you're missing the obvious one. You're totally missing the yeah. obvious one. It's one of those mobility scooters. They've done oh. that. The guy did that. He actually, uh, he actually maxed out a mobility scooter. Got up to like ninety. Really? Oh. <laughs> it was amazing. He was actually, yeah, the guy who did it actually got it on Russell Howard. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, actually, I think I remember remember it now. You remember that when he, yeah. was, uh, he got it up to like uh, 18, 90 miles an hour yeah. on a mobility scooter? He should He's be on like, Top Gear, not Russell <laughs> Howard. <laughs> Straight line speed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just like to see this guy, you know, come to Hartlepool with me and uh, just down the road from where I lived. Is all His the boy bike races. get nicked? Well, yeah, I know, probably, but pull like alongside all the boy races that you know rev the engines constantly. He turns up know. on a bicycle. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 Rob's just having <laughs> weird thoughts again. <laughs> Want a race? Go, on, Rob. You don't even no, want to say no. it. <laughs> you keep it going. <laughs> anyway, double TF award number one. Pigeons are apparently intelligent. When? <laughs> right. We call them the rats of the winged world. Yeah. Right? We know that they're rodents. We know that you shouldn't feed the pigeons ever. No. Um, but psychologists from oh, the whoa, University whoa, 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 of whoa, whoa, Iowa... Whoa. You shouldn't feed the pen, pen, no, pigeons. Pigeons. You make it sound like gremlins. They what are like gremlins. So if you feed them and give them water after midnight, they turn into crows. No, that's why you don't see them at midnight. They don't, you don't see them at midnight. You don't see the sun at midnight. That doesn't mean it doesn't yeah, I haven't exist. seen the pigeons of Hartlepool. No, the ones in Hartlepool, they're just they're, you go you can be ten feet away from them and they'll fly off. You know yeah. the ones in Middlesbrough. Are no, 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 no. Oh, the ones here them. are nothing. Seriously, they are nothing. If you want really, if you want pigeons that are total nut jobs, go Stop to London. Go. Seriously, go to London. Go to Trafalgar Square where it's a tourist thing, mm. right? Go there. And just see how far you get. I remember that. eating fries. <laughs> just have a ba- just have some fries and see how far across the square you get. I remember being there when I was a kid, and my dad thought it was a good idea to throw the seeds on me. How many pigeons? I was covered. <laughs> <laughs> they have no fear. Seriously, oh, they pooped all over me. It was horrible. <laughs> it was grim. I was seven. And I was covered in bird poo. <laughs> But I've heard it's a good moisturiser. This story is for you then. Uh, psychology researchers from the University of Iowa um, have done a study. Pigeons were given a string task. It's a common test of intelligence which involves attaching a treat to one of two strings and seeing if the participant can win the treat by pulling the right string. In the case of this experiment, they used a touchscreen interface which showed two buttons and two virtual dishes of food. The pigeons pecked on the correct buttons on the screen the virtual ball would move a bit closer. After continually packing at the buttons connected to the virtual food, the pigeons would be rewarded with a real edible treat. Yes. Why pigeons is my first I, question. Honestly. There, there are so many animals in this world. Why, of all the birds in the world, of all of them, why pigeons? Where is this from? This is research done in America. Maybe it's a supervillain with a low budget. <laughs> he wants to breed an army of minions, but he doesn't know what bird animal to use. There's plenty of pigeons. He can't, afford, he can't afford to make flying monkeys, so he's nah. going for nah. He's taking the Rats cheaper options. Nah, he's saving all of his money for a, a volcano base. So, yeah, he's getting the minions on the cheap. Nice. Yeah, but he could have got that submarine base for cheap, or he could have had that RAF base. 
Nah. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you're not, you're not a supervillain if you don't have a volcano base. It's it's basic laws. Yeah, but I mean, only if that submarine base was. It had like the attached hillside resort and everything. Oh like no, that. no, it, it could have just I'm done just a saying. big hole, put a big, put a giant smoke machine in the top. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, nobody nobody respects you as an evil villain if you haven't got a volcano base. This, he does have a point. What about sharks with lasers on their heads? No, no, sharks with lasers comes after flying monkeys. All right, you need flying monkeys first. Yeah, you know, it's like low budget flying monkeys. A lot of poop everywhere. <laughs> Just flinging it. Just well, some that's well, what I mean. When they're talking a couple of years oh, ago about movies. using waste <laughs> as fuel, yes. <laughs> they use it as no, yeah. they use it as ammo. Flying yeah. monkeys. He's a genius. Yeah. This guy, this super villain, that I've just made up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure it's not you? <laughs> no. Are you no. sure? I don't but like yeah. pigeons. <laughs> Low budget super villains. I like it. Right. Final story. Um, hands-free fast food. Burger King is not just happy with making you fat. Now it wants you to stay fat. <laughs> I'm okay with that. He says after eating like super uh, king size fries. Mm. <laughs> um, you know McDonald's came out with the French fry holder. It's this little gadget thing that held the French fries, so you didn't have to pick them up with your hands. You could just go oh. that that thing. Well, Burger King has decided to go one better with this, the Whopper holder. Oh, you! You basically put me. that bit. Uh, you basically put it around your neck, so it just hangs off the front of you. You move your head forward, bite. Move your head back. Wally was right. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you said when yeah, I told you. Definitely, I, I'll. I want one of those big chairs, though. That's not a chair. No, but I want one of those chairs so I can take me everywhere to do that. Like, All right. Out, like, boom! There's that. And it gives the me thing a shower, is, like, toilet time. You know, that's only that's only holding out half of the burger. You yeah. Know? So, what about if you know want to use the rest of the burger? You want to eat the rest of the burger? Tip your head back. <laughs> Dig in. <laughs> yeah. I want, what? Where can we get them from? Obviously, Burger King. But when? Um, because I want to get some it, photos of this. Believe. Oh no, this is this is the thing. Is the funniest part about this? This is these came out to celebrate the chain's fiftieth anniversary in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Not in America, <laughs> but in Puerto Rico. Should have started in America and England, where obesity is much larger. Yep. Um, Burger King gave 50 of its loyalty program members loyalty program. I didn't know you could get loyalty with Burger <laughs> no. King. Where do I sign up? <laughs> loyalty program, yes. Uh, gave 50 of them these, uh, these hands-free Whopper holders that can be worn around the neck so their hands can be used for other tasks like uh, eating fries uh, and I'm drinking s- milkshakes. I'm sorry, but their marketing department's terrible. Hands-free Whopper holders. That's just got innuendo written all over it. Of course it, it does. <laughs> I was avoiding that. I but didn't even think of that. I'm ashamed yeah. of myself. I was avoiding it on purpose, but uh, he had to bring it up. What about an extra large double bacon cheeseburger? Have they got one for that? Nope. They should. I would also add, we do not get sponsored by Burger King. No, we don't. We do not like burgers. They're the devil. Oi. There's that sorted. I don't mind burgers. I love a good burger. I love a good burger. Especially Burger King. Double rodeo. Meat is the dad. <sighs> nah, I love meat. You guys. Certain <laughs> <types>. <laughs> is that it for the news, Rob? You've gone very quiet. Yes, that's it for the news. Good day. I'm Graham Stark. And I'm Kathleen DeVere. We're from Internet Comedy Powerhouse, Loading Ready Run. 
And if you are listening to the radio expecting to hear about butts, you are listening to the wrong show. This is The Geek Show, which is much cooler but has far fewer behinds. You're looking for The Butt Show. It's on the other side. And we're talking... Rip-offs. Well, Rip-offs. copy past the taste weird. Mm. Yeah. Well, it doesn't taste that weird. It does taste a bit funny. Oh, you make me hungry. It's the idea. Oh, it's not fair. See, I'm hungry, but you know, I've had a lovely shawarma and I'm going to a barbecue afterwards. Yeah, that's cold blooded. Right. That if we know there's a history of copying mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. movies. We know that it happens pretty much all the time, and some countries are more guilty than others. Uh, for doing such things like India and Turkey and in various America. others <laughs> and America no 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 I'm going to stand up for Turkish cinema and have <laughs> the best death scene in any movie ever oh oh you've got to see it it's 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 slow motion death but they didn't have any slow motion function so it's just oh, a guy yeah. it's, it's <laughs> out really slow that was and he amazing. has like three movements of it so he gets shot once and he does his he's staggering around really yeah. slow. <laughs> oh, no. I like the Turkish soup man. That was a great film. I love the way he flew on that string. <laughs> obviously it was an, an action. A little figure. toy thing. Oh yeah. Uh, alright, and but obviously Hollywood has to be in there. America has to be in there because it's done its own fair share of uh, taking existing movies from somewhere and I don't know whether you call them remaking them or not. Or just making them worse. They've done the same with books as well. The steal from books and so like you know, change it a little bit. And they're like, yeah. oh, it's my own. Uh, uh, what's the difference then between a remake and a ripoff? Mm. The original creator isn't getting no money for it. Well, it doesn't for either. Mm-hmm. The di- well, it depends on the deal. But yeah, the difference is a ripoff is done by some guys in the bedroom. A remake is a multi-million dollar affair. So it's just about the amount of money spent on it? Well, no, nah, but really. I think it's the amount of respect paid to what you're, yeah. you're paying attention to, because there's exploitation, seen, exploitation I, I, movies are the purest thing of rip-off. I mean, yeah. like, there's black exploitation. Yeah. Oh, black people and soul music's cool, but rip that off. There's also Nicole a Bruce exploitation. There's what? Bruce exploitation. There is, and there's Jackie exploitation. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Lee was so successful, but he died too young, so they had Bruce Lee spelled like Jet Lee, L I. Yeah, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, Lee Bruce, and various <laughs> others. <laughs> that, that's the peak of ripoff. Uh, it's not just that. America got in on the act as well with movies like They Still Call Me Bruce and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> and with No Retreat, No Surrender. <laughs> remember that one Jean-Claude Van Damme's first kind of major acting role in Hollywood did he do the splits <laughs> he, 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 he was playing the bad guy oh, he's a good no. bad guy he's the only good thing in Expendables 2 and it's a bad movie it is it's I've not seen Expendables 2 don't mm. but yeah I suppose what it is whether it's a rip off or a homage it depends on the intent really if something's out there in the world and uh, some unscrupulous types think, oh, that's cool, that's making loads of money. Why don't we have a go? That's totally a rip-off. That's definitely the rip-off. And homage is something like, I enjoy this type of cinema, so I'm going to be a bit more artistic and yeah. doing my version of it. But what about something that, uh, like The Ring, where the original was full of atmosphere? And- Ringu, yeah. Yeah, because it got it confuses me when you say it. Yeah, well, they, they they called it the ring in Hollywood. Yeah, um, it was called uh, Ringu in Japanese, 
but something like that. The original had like all sorts. It had so much atmosphere in it. Yeah, didn't have much in the way of special effects, but they didn't into really it. Need it. Still scared me. The the it, big yeah. scare in that film is oh, the long haired girl crawling out the TV. Sadako. That's the one. I couldn't think of a name. But the point there is, you can't really say that because Japanese horror movies are built totally different than any Western movies. So if you translated that, in, if you basically did the ring again in English, mm. nobody would watch it. No. Because no. it's not the same standards. So yeah. you got to kind of twist it a bit for an American audience. And that is what annoys a lot of people about this whole remake yeah. thing. They're taking my beloved thing and making it easy and accessible for a bunch of 14-year-old kids to, you know, make little babies in the back row for. No. That's <laughs> rightly so. I'd be annoyed too. I, ha- I find nothing. I find nothing wrong with what Rob has just said, especially the thing. But the thing, good thing about the thing remake was the heat was off that day, so it was cold in the cinema. Yes, <laughs> so it was perfect weather for that. Perfect weather. Yeah. Um, I, I I honestly ha- I can't argue with that at all because it's what annoyed me the most about the ring is like they basically toned everything down. I w- I watched that right. Have you ever seen the the original version of The Grudge? No. It's pretty bad as well. It, it, Even the Japanese one's pretty bad. The Japanese one's pretty bad, but uh, it, uh, it's way, way scarier than the Shadow Michelle Gellar thing. Yeah, I know, but it's this Japanese cycle of movies. Small Japanese girl with long hair, scary. Yeah. Uh, no. Actually, The Grudge wasn't small Japanese girl with long hair. It was small Chinese girl? No. Korean? No. The Grudge was... Uh, flo- <laughs> uh, the Grudge... <laughs> The Grudge was basically uh, a Jap- uh, Japanese mother and child who were murdered by their by uh, husband and father, and the Japanese mother is out for revenge. Australian, no. <laughs> uh, New Zealanders, yes, New Zealanders. There we no. go. Mystery about again. solved. <laughs> I got confused again. Now that was the that was the Grudge. It was basically uh, the the house itself. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I remember that. It wasn't very good. It was better than most. But is rip-off really a bad thing? Well, I don't... This is the thing. This is why I said, what's the difference between a remake and a rip-off? I mean, yeah, okay, the amount of money and the cre- you're saying the credibility, but you know, at what point do you draw the line between them? Well, it's not credibility. It's if you're just ripping something off to get some cash. Yeah. Easy cash. You're that's ripping it off. Is. But that's what they were doing with the, with all these... I mean, let the, let the right one in became let me in. Right, yeah, and wasn't it simply trying to capitalise on the whole uh, the whole spate of vampire movies? No, I don't really think there's a spate of vampire movies. I like Twilight the Swedish one. There's Twilight, which isn't a vampire movie. Nope, no, it's an abomination <laughs> from the deepest circles of hell. But I no. actually saw a brilliant uh, demotivational poster of Twilight. It had uh, it was these kind of you know those uh, barriers with the adverts on. Yeah, yeah. It had, it had Twilight on the left hand side. Oh, Blade right. on the other. No, it had uh, Sherlock Holmes pointing his gun <laughs> at the guy's head. No, <laughs> on the other side, and underneath it just said, "Do it, Sherlock." Nice, excellent. excellent. Taking the uh, good side of ripoffs, though. Yeah, ripoffs, remakes, whatever you want to call them. Is it a good thing because it make gives attention to the thing that started it, like it's. A rip-off of The Thing, for example, but in fact, seeing that, you think, this is a remake. Oh, I want to have a look at the original, see what that's like. Yeah. yeah and start that, opening that up to a new audience. I'm not being, you know, I'm not defending these remakes. Please, sir, horrible. I, ha- I have a question. But I'm just saying, that option is there. People <laughs> discover classics. Yes. I have a question, sir. 
Right? Just talk, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> hey. um, it's all well and good saying that, but Hollywood has a habit of dumbing things down. I know. I'm just saying, with every cloud, there's a silver lining, and that is the silver lining. Yes, it is the silver lining. Until you sit behind some, you're sitting behind uh, some chavs in a cinema watching The Fellowship of the Ring, and the one at the and after the film's finished, the guy stands up and says, "Oh, it's a trilogy. Uh, you know, I read it in a magazine." Oh. I'm not quite sure oh, what you're going to say that. He's that's never, he'd never even heard that heard of the book. Not everybody can hear of, hear of everything that's ever existed. It's the it's Lord like, of the that, Rings. I, so, <laughs> I didn't hear about it until the movies, you know, started kicking about. The books? Yeah. Seriously? Seriously, because I don't care. I really don't <laughs> care. I could not care less about Lord of the Rings even now. And oh, people like that exist, I believe actually, it or not. Uh, do you know, I'm actually... Not surprised that you don't care about the Lord of the Rings because it's not a good, it's not a great story. It's not a great story. There's, there's a branch of a YouTube video is called How It Should Have Ended. Yeah, yeah. And they've pretty much put J.R. Tolkien right in its place. Yes. Um, what are those big eagles for? Let's well, use uh, the big uh, eagles. That'll sort it in ten minutes. I sent a message to the guy who does Cinema Sins to ask him to do the Lord of the Rings. I don't know what that is. Cinema Sins is uh, everything wrong with a particular movie in oh, right, then, however yeah. many minutes or less. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Why do some countries make their own versions of movies then? Why do they feel the need to make their own versions of a particular movies? Say, The Avengers. Say, uh, Imagine if like Argentina decided to do their own version of The Avengers. And I'm not I'd picking on Argentina in particular. I'm I just think we choosing should move away from Argentina because <laughs> there's a bit of a problem there with English I'm people. just picking Argentina out of the hat. That was, a, it was just Cuba. a bit of a problem. We're changing that Cuba is Cuba. No, no, we can't choose Cuba either. Gee, this is going to get difficult. Um, Australia. Bangladesh. China. Bangladesh. China. We're not insulting anyone by saying Bangladesh. China. Their own version no, of Japan. No, America. <laughs> No, yeah. Bangladesh. <laughs> can we do Bangladesh? It's the, uh, probably the safest country to choose. North Korea, they're like us. Do they? Do, do, do really... <laughs> they're about the only people we do like. <laughs> no, us, us and Dennis do Rodman. You know, do you know what we should? What, yeah, this is true. Um, do you know what we should do? We should get you know the guys who do that. Is it the Taiwanese news? The one that's all in CG where they just kind of make it up. Yeah, they, they take a particular headline and instead of investigating the headline, they just make up the entirety of the story. That sounds amazing. That, you... that was like Steve Jobs as the Emperor. <laughs> oh. Or as or as Ben Kenobi teaching Tim Cook how to be how to be the Apple Jedi kind of thing. Back to the question though, what did you what was the question? I want them to redo the Avengers. What they used to be? No, no, the Taiwanese <laughs> I'm up for that. The Taiwanese company that uh, does all those news bits in CG. Redo the Avengers. Redo yes. the Avengers. Oh yeah. It could work. Yeah, it could work. It could work. I will use cardboard cutouts for this instead of actors. <laughs> I want to see the Bollywood Avengers. Oh, that would be amazing. They would dance battle. No, they would do that. Don't put ideas in their heads. Right, I found a list. Wasn't there a, uh, wasn't there a t- uh, Bollywood Robocop, which is kind of... It wasn't, a bo- it wasn't Robocop. It was kind of a Bollywood kind of robot superhero type thing. So wasn't there a Bollywood Terminator which was possibly the best thing ever committed to film that was that was the kind of thing that was basically what it was that was he's apparently a super robot type thing apparently it's a really good uh, Indian film out now called Gangs of Way Super and it's like 8 hours cutting it 2 bits uh, not heard of it no nope, nope, nope. I will look Indie into cred that. I will yes. look into that. anyway 
Bollywood making right back in the eighties. Bollywood was guilty, really guilty, of making rip-offs of Hollywood blockbusters, like uh, and just general Hollywood <coughs> movies. Commando got a Bollywood version. I mean, the Schwarzenegger version of Commando. It doesn't really need it. Got a it Bollywood version. Need, it didn't it. need it, but it still got one. The Bollywood had its own version of Superman. Oh, hang on, let's rewind a second. In 1978. There's, there's, there's a Indian Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nope, he looked nothing like Arnie. He wasn't even built like Arnie. Does he dance? The guy was the oh, stick. Yes, okay. he danced. Oh, oh I'll have to watch it. <laughs> Did they all dance? They all dance in Bollywood movies. Then that's all I need to know. Anyway, I found this list, right? Top uh, of ten Bollywood movies that are blatant Hollywood rip-offs is uh, Bonnie and Clyde, which is called Bunty or Babbly. Oh, <laughs> my days. Um, Hitch. You know Will Smith in oh, Hitch. Yeah. The, their version is called Partner. <laughs> oh, you're reminding me of a brilliant thing. Bad translations of English movies. Oh, God, yes. Lost in translation. Uh, what was Chinese... Uh, Die Hard is... What was it? Uh... Man locked in a tower block with no shoes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's not kidding. That might not be word for word, but it's basically well, it. The thing is, the posters that they used as well were brilliant. Uh, remember the one that they had for, uh, what was it, uh, Game of Thrones, where they had a picture of Thor, you know, the one where he's kneeling down with his hammer, and they just put stuck Sean Bean's head on it. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I, I want to say the Boogie Nights one, but it's kind of rude. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, back to this. Uh, what happens in Vegas got a remake. Primal Fear got a remake for Bollywood. My Best Friend's Wedding got no. a remake for Hollywood. Never heard that one. No. Sleeping with the Enemy. Clueless. So anyone called Aisha, who's Indian. Any girl called Aisha, who's Indian, is going to be synonymous with Clueless from now on. It's pretty much a very American thing, though, isn't yeah. it? I don't know how that would work. No, this is Bollywood. I know, I'm just saying, Clueless is... Yeah. Spoiled American kids. Yeah, it is. So I'm not sure how it worked out. The Parent Trap also got a remake. Oh, um, when Harry Met Sally, which in... Does that scene exist? I, 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 I have no oh, is idea. Is it a musical number? Oh, it starts off with sort of... Uh, what is it? Uh, Yodeling. They start yodeling in that scene. That's, you know, the thing is, the, 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 when Harry met Sally, the bo- the Bollywood movie is called Hum Tum. Hum Tum. <laughs> yes. And they actually did Bruce Almighty with Amita Bachchan as God, <laughs> called God to see Great Hall. <laughs> He's God. You have got to be kidding me. That's great. It's got to be better than Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's terrible. <laughs> If you want to fight it, and come and get it. You should get one. Oh, he's in that next Kick-Ass movie as well, isn't yep. he? That's going to be yeah. awful. When he act, when he does acting, when he yeah. does the acting, he's actually good, but he doesn't do it often. No. But that's not the best one. I actually found another list, uh, which was uh, even better than the Bollywood list. There's Turkish Batman Turkish called Batman. Uh, called Yarasa Adam Batman. <laughs> Seriously, Batman. <laughs> Oh, bit, bit me. Yeah. Batman's not got a red suit. They've got it all wrong. Um, if you called the movie Turkish Batman, it would have been better that way. <laughs> There's the Indian Superman, Daria Dill, in which Superman is the guy and Spider-Man is his girlfriend. Seriously. You cannot see. Oh. <laughs> Ultimate crossover. In more ways than one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whip, whip. Yes. Uh, the Soviet Winnie the Pooh. 
because everyone needs <laughs> one. Got, <yeah>. nah. <laughs> Called Vinnie Pook. <laughs> no, no. Seriously, the Japanese Spider-Man TV show, which that was the, amazing. It was brilliant. It added giant robots and all sorts. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and going back to your thing about being scared of E.T., the Turkish E.T. called Badi. Oh, you've... That, no, that is... <laughs> that is just... Is that the Enterprise in the background there? That's 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 the Turkish E.T. in that little... It just, it just looks like a guy who fell asleep in a bowl of peas. <laughs> that's, that's not an E.T. <laughs> Even better is the Italian Batman um, called the Batman dal Pianeta... Eros, which is basically the Italian porn version of Batman, where he's from another planet. New member of Batman Inc. <laughs> <laughs> Even better, one of the Bruce Bloitation movies had Bruce Lee, Kwai Chen Kane from Kung Fu, and Popeye. Oh, because Popeye is an ultimate combination of the three characters. Yeah. In in a movie called The Dragon Lives Again from 1976. What does he do in that film? I have to download it. I mean, look at does it. he eat his spinach and then he's wrong for That is a beauty. Oh, I need to say this now. We will be finding links to these. This is the best, though. Uh, this is, oh, well, maybe second best according to this list. The Hamas Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny in Tomorrow's Pioneers. I'm not even going to go into that. And then the Turkish Spider Man, Turkish Captain America in 3 Dev. Captain Or 3 three Dev Adam, or 3 Mighty Men. <laughs> okay, very, very quickly, pick of the geek. Uh, your top three movie remakes or rip offs. Hmm. And I know I'm gonna have to go with the Japanese Spider-Man. Is <laughs> one of my got to be. Uh, so I, don't, I haven't seen I haven't seen many of these like you know foreign you know remakes and stuff like that. Mm. Japanese Spider-Man's definitely got to be one. I don't know. I'm tempted by that. Uh, the dragon lives again because it's got quite a gigantic Bruce Lee and Popeye of all Popeye. the people. <sighs> I just can't get over that. I need. I need to say this one with Superman and Spider Man and his girlfriend. That's what I want to say. Oh, the Indian one. <laughs> Do you know? I actually think I've seen that when I was a kid. I actually think I've seen that when I was a kid. <laughs> no, I, I can't. <laughs> Mask Rider. Mask Rider. Cameron Rider. But Ma- well, the, yeah. the American version. Oh, Mask God, Rider. yeah. Yeah. That theme song was epic. Uh, the Beetleborgs. Beetleborgs. VR Troopers. Yeah. Oh. The list goes on. Any for you, Rob? Top three thinking, remakes are thinking. Ones. Thinking. Googling. Googling! I am the being, actually. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yes, you? got them. Uh, Blackula, Scream, Blackula, yes. Scream, and Black Frankenstein. Let's keep it all. Black exploitation themed because they're the no, no, no. They did the no, best. If we're doing box. that Can sort you of thing, Blackula. If we're doing that, Blackula. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not it, it, Does like a Black Dynamite guest appear in it? No. no. Oh man, that's a shame. Black Dynamite would have been could have been one that you had, but I'm going to go with I'm going to get you, sucker. 
Is that the name of the movie as well? That's the name of Why the movie. Why have I missed out on all the <laughs> exploitation does the best Yeah, they do, they do. Uh, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker is a brilliant comedy uh, all about black exploitation, And he even have, has his own theme music. Hey, this is Nico Robin from One Piece. And you're listening to The Geek Show. And we're talking copy pasta tastes weird. All rip-offs, in other words. <laughs> yes. Always with the bad puns, me. Always. <laughs> Always. Um, we're in the old games section. And obviously we know that games have a tendency to lift things from other games. Entertainment in general lifts things from other forms of entertainment. We know yeah. this. But it's got to the point now where you know, so many games run off like the Unreal Engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay. So you're using the Unreal Engine to make a first-person shooter. So... And doesn't that then make all first-person shooters rip-offs of Unreal? <laughs> Don't even get me started about first-person shooters. I hate them all. Just think about that for a little bit. Uh, right. But the main question is, why aren't repackages and reskins considered rip-offs? And I know there's a lot of words beginning with R in that sentence. Mm. So, you know. R. <laughs> Could have went there. Farmer. Was it a farmer? Farmer. Yeah. <laughs> I got a brand new combine harvester. <laughs> nice. I likes my orises. Where <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the cider apples grow. <laughs> I don't know why we went West Country for a second there. <laughs> no, I have no idea at all, but... It's a land of too many vowels and not enough consonants. No. Happens, <laughs> I do. You should easily be in one of those TV shows. Let's get to the point. Yeah. Yeah, right. That was the answer I got when I asked for directions. You should just do that voice for the rest of the show. No. Oh, <laughs> I refuse. You can't Damn. make me. You're not my real mum. Right. Why, yeah. Why aren't repackages and reskins considered ripoffs? Right. I'll give you an example. The Simpsons Road Rage, right, was basically just a reskin of mm-hmm. Crazy Taxi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, with a couple of little modifications, but that's basically what it was. Yeah. But nobody ever said, "Oh, it's just a ripoff of Crazy Taxi." Everyone was like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's the Simpsons. Simpsons. It's a separate game." And I'm like, "No, it's a ripoff of Crazy Taxi." It's just and it didn't it have the name soundtrack. of the Simpsons on it. It's you know. Um, yeah yeah it's just it's basically that like you know it's a big name people yes. you know people recognise it uh, yeah people are going to think none the wiser of the fact that it's just a rip off from Crazy uh, Taxi <laughs> I'm curious about one thing I'm sitting what <laughs> less, less than two <laughs> feet away from you you could have handed me the paper. I wish Inside we could references. Yuck, 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 yuck. Isn't it funny? Get well, on with it, Rob. At least people on webcam got to see it anyway. I know. Yeah. Get on with it, Rob. Get on with it. We are getting on with it. Anyway, uh, yeah. Simpsons uh, Road Rage is just one example. Uh, there are loads of others. Didn't have the good soundtrack that Crazy Taxi did, though. Yeah, no. it, the soundtrack that Crazy Taxi had was just the kind of the offspring playing over and over again. Exactly, yeah, it was awesome. Exactly why it's... You know, Simpsons you had, well, well, just nah, Simpsons music really. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was like the Simpsons skateboarding was, uh, it was basically, was it was a terrible game, but people loved it. 
Even though, at heart, it was basically Tony Hawk. Yeah. Yeah, just... Rubbish. Very, yeah. yeah. It was reskinned Tony Hawk. That's all it was. And, you know, the, it seems like a very lazy way of making games. Oh, definitely. You take a game that's already there, and you just, just change the graphics. And maybe what if tweak the Simpsons one or two could skateboard? Hey. Well, this is what I mean. Why isn't stuff like that considered a rip-off? What do you mean, why isn't it? It is. Totally well, a rip-off. Well, I'm saying people don't consider it a rip-off. Why don't people consider it a rip-off? We might consider it a rip-off, but, you know, to the average person on the street, they, uh, you know, they might have played Chris, you know, Tony Hawks and then gone on to play Simpsons skateboarding. And uh, they'll play the two games, they'll see the similarities between the two, but because one's called Simpsons, one's called Tony Hawks, they think... Yeah. See no similarities with yeah. it. I've got to say who died and made Tony Hawks the most important person in the room. Or Crazy Taxi, the most important person in the room who says those games aren't a rip-off of something. They just took something from another game and fine-tuned it. And said, yeah, that's mine now. Only with a super repetitive score from two bands who signed identical in every song. Yeah. So, yeah. Take that. What did, what did Crazy Taxi rip off? I'm, I don't know, I'm just saying. Could it be possible the fact that Crazy Taxi is not such an original thing? No, it wasn't. took something from games before it. Well, like obviously quality of the game before it and fine-tuned it. No, obviously so it did. Off, quality obviously it did. What I'm, I'm talking about is that, like, okay, how many first-person shooters use the Unreal Engine? All of them. Exactly. Well, except for, like, Half-Life, uh, sorry, uh, Metro uh, Half-Life. Yeah. Right? Now, anyway, yeah. Starting to move away from the Unreal Engine. But it's basically like that. They use, they use the car mechanics, the car game... For Crazy Taxi to make Simpsons Road Rage, call game from Tony Hawk to make uh, Simpsons Skateboarding, mm. and it, that's what I'm talking about. It's not that know. they I were influenced know. by it. I'm not saying influence. Crazy Taxi might have been influenced by games that have gone before, but you know we'll come to the uh, that difference later on in comics. <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, why aren't, why aren't they then? People don't don't consider them for years. They've not been considered. As rip-offs by the general populace and even by quite a few games reporters. Mm. You know, gaming journalists don't automatically call them rip-offs. <laughs> gaming journalists. <laughs> That's a good That's joke. Such, such a thing does exist, apparently. <laughs> I haven't found one yet. Um, <laughs> Sounds made up. But they do... Do you know, the weird thing is, you know, the Victoria and Albert Re Museum yeah. now has a games designer in residence. What? Albert Museum. The Victorian <laughs> Albert Museum. Oh. The VA. Now has a games designer in residence. They have like a poet in residence, artist in residence. Design uh, now they have a games designer in residence. I think that's just asking for trouble. Um, but that's by the way. All right, what about mods then? Mm, see, like, I, see, I know a fair few people who like to do modern and stuff, but, yeah, you know... Whether it's just a, it's, I don't really see it as a, as a rip off, really. I guess. But what about Days then? Daisy or Daisy. whatever you want to call it. It's a it's a mod of Armor Two, but now it's getting its own full game. It's getting a movie. It's getting the whole shebang. You know, isn't that? That's that... kind of, I guess. A, I'd say Daisy is probably more of a rip off, I guess, because it came from. What would, what would you Armor Two. Armor two it, yeah. it was a mod of Armor Two. I mean, the mods that they did for all sorts of other games, like the free, the Battlestar Galactica mod of Free Space, mm. they didn't really uh, make any money off that. You know, it wasn't really franchised. They just did it because they felt like it. Mm. Uh, and it, well, it was very much the two guys in the bedroom just making it for the hell of it. 
love of it. Yeah, for the for the love of it, you know, the love of gaming. That's yeah. what's the uh, one that came from Half Life Two. Yeah. Oh, oh, Black Mesa. No, no it's uh, a completely oh. different game, but it had like a military skin put on it. Counter Strike. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge mm. example. That's not. Yeah. A ri- that wasn't a rip off. No, that, that wasn't was a rip off. They basically taking something they love and putting a different skin on it. That's all it is. It's a skin. Not just a different skin, but also a completely different spin on the game as well. Know. But it's rip off again. It's a cynical thing, isn't it? No, I wouldn't class Counter Strike as a rip off. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Rip off is a cynical thing, and Counter Strike's yeah. not really that. No, it's not. It's the modern community isn't really that cynical. It's all for the love of it, all for the yeah. fun. Well, the, the the thing the thing that they did with Counter Strike was actually was uh, was really clever because Counter Strike uh, Half Life was a single player game, and they actually <coughs> made it so that multiple people could join in. It was it was uh, like team play, you know, multiplayer really was, took off. Was that before Team Fortress? Uh, yeah, that was well before Team Fortress. Counter Strike was so a long time before potentially Counter Strike influenced Counter Strike uh, to do uh, Team Fortress. Well, not just not just that. Counter Strike pretty much influenced most of the first person team first uh, team uh, you know squad games. So what you're saying is Counter Strike is evil? No, I'm saying Counter Strike no. was good. Mm. Counter Strike was an example where they basically took what was already there and made it. Uh, made it do things that nobody had ever thought it could do. What came from it was evil, though. What came from it could have been evil, but what Counter Strike was was a work of genius. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is that simple. It's part of gaming history. It gave birth to games like Battlefield Three and Call of Duty and stuff like that. Until then, it was just basically all single player campaigns, stuff like that. Yeah, like Doom. Mm. That was the first time you could have uh, multiplayer net play in a first person shooter. Yeah, Counter Strike's evil. <laughs> Most Japanese RPGs for one. How do you Lots of them all have the same story plot or gameplay, all layout. It, 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 yeah, but I mean, as ha- much as I love the separate series, I can see it is, all the similarities. It is them all, all just running around going, "We have to save the world." <laughs> I've got a giant sword. Watch me slash through your body. Interesting. Like that that yeah. just sounds wrong. How, <laughs> yeah. How, how, <laughs> right. One thing I would like for a JRPG, random loot. I don't like, you know, to go over a chest and know what's going to be inside. I'd like it to be something different. No, there are games that do that. The strange thing, though, about Japanese RPGs, how come it's a small band of kids that save the world? Exactly. What happens to the middle three? What happens to grown people? Yeah, this is the thing that I I could never figure out. It's always a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why people like Final Fantasy VII, because the characters in that were, like, mid to late 20s. Yeah. You know, and some in their 30s. It was, I think there was only like Yuffie who was uh, nineteen or twenty something yeah. like that. Mm. What about uh, Nia? They did the Japanese version. That was a young character skin. Also, we were available to download <coughs> it for our for PlayStation Three for us Westerners. But we had the the old guy who was after his seventies daughter instead of his sister and stuff like that. Yeah, but that's Don't not really wrong, an RPG. Game, that's not really it was a hack and slash, wasn't it? But yeah, it was still produced by the same people. I mean, if, if you're talking about RPGs, I mean, have you ever seen a mod for an RPG? Can't say have. Do you know no. why? Because nobody in their right mind would make one. Oh. You would have to be. You would have to be seriously, seriously. Um, you would. You would have to be one of those people who likes to flagellate yourself in public. <laughs> and that sounds wrong, but it, mean, it basically means flog yourself, whip yeah. yourself in public. You would have to be into you know, punishing yourself for some serious, serious thing that you did way back in the past that you could never forgive yourself with to even think of modding a JRPG. Yeah. 
because it's not worth it. No, it's Seriously. Oh, yeah, the best thing to do, if you're thinking of doing that, right, if you're thinking of modding a JRPG, just write to the developer and say, I've got an idea, here's a few designs, do you think you can make this? <laughs> <laughs> just get them to do it. <laughs> Too right. Anyway, uh, I think we just about reached the end of that. We've exhausted it, but yeah, mods, okay, um... Where do we stand on mods then? Are they, you know, do the classes rip offs or not? Because some of them, I'm kind of fifty fifty. I know that I know that some people might consider mods as ripping off an existing game, but I don't know. I'm mutual with it. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm so so with it. But like, I think you know stuff like you know Daisy then. Mm. And I know we've been ripping on the Simpsons, right, <laughs> um, for their video games. But uh, they weren't the only ones that were guilty of ripping off. Very quickly, before we go pick the geek, mm-hmm. Angry Birds is a knockoff of a free browser game called Crush the Castle. And someone actually did research into this as to why Crush the Castle didn't make it big and Angry Birds did. Do you know what they came up with? Go on, then. The answer was, Angry Birds has cute characters. Oh, yes, you had to spend how many thousands of dollars on that research? Um, yeah. <laughs> and we Farmville. sell loads of that at the work. Yeah, it's ridiculous how many people yeah. still buy Angry Bird stuff. Yeah, Farmville is a knockoff of Farmtown. The only difference between those was Zynga had a better marketing machine, but Zynga is also getting. You know, Zynga's also Isn't getting it basically Animal Crossing. No, it's Harvest Moon. I like what That's I can the see one, from yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, that was a message someone did in <coughs> Farmville. <laughs> yeah, fully reasonable. Yes. Uh, Zynga are getting the are getting their comeuppance though because EA are suing them for ripping the Sims social, ripping off the Sims social of all the things. Yeah, uh, obviously is Pong EA still making money. Yes, I'm they surprised are. Yeah. Them going bus, yeah. yeah, obviously Pong we know is a co- is a rip off of table tennis. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, Mrs. Pac-Man is the, one of the most interesting ones, right? Pac-Man was a huge hit when it came out in 1982, and uh, you know it was still it was all the uh, it was all the rage, everything like that. Uh, it's one of the most successful games of all time. Two MIT students decided to create their own arcade game called Crazy Otto. With, and, you know, they basically got a Pac-Man cabinet and modified the game's programming to their liking. Basically stuck some legs on Pac-Man, right? Called it Crazy Otto. Midway, who owned Pac-Man at the time, mm. uh, they decided to sue the uh, two students until they noticed that the game that they'd made was... Faster, stronger, better than anything that they could so come up with. So it was a Daft Punk song. Of <laughs> well, this was long before Daft Punk even <laughs> you know even existed. This game was so much better than the original Pac-Man, and everybody was crying out for a sequel. So what they did, they bought the cabinet off them, they modded the game a little bit more, took the legs off, stuck a ribbon on, and called it Mrs. Pac-Man. And it went on to sell millions. Yeah. Guitar Hero, though, is probably the biggest uh, culprit I of all. That game. Now, uh, there was a Japanese arcade like cabinet. Long before Guitar Hero, there was an arcade cabinet in Japan called Guitar Freaks. And the company that made the guitars for that cabinet, uh, I'm trying to find the name, where are they? Uh, Red Octane, they made the guitars for the arcade cabinet. They eventually decided to make their own rhythm game with the same type of guitars and using the same of everything really mm. the gameplay the whole thing and they hooked up with the developer harmonics and made a fortune off the guitar hero games and what did konami get konami got a kick in the teeth from that 
Yes. So yes. Ouch. Anyway, um, pick the geek. Your top three gaming reskins, repackages, mods, or ripoffs. Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time for the 3DS, the up-and-coming Kingdom Hearts game, and uh, I'll just kind of leave it at that for now. Let you two speak. Go on, go on, guys. See, I'm still thinking. So I don't have any. <laughs> don't have any. No. Um. Do you know of all of them? I'm gonna have to say. None of the above, <laughs> except for the Battlestar Galactica re- yeah. mod of Free Space. I actually did enjoy that, and it did work really well. But that's pretty much the only one. You know, I, I still need to try this Daisy. You know, but I think I'll probably just wait till the actual game comes out. I'm Crazy Fox Machine slash Owen Watts. I'm an artist in uh, Professor Elemental. I'm the editor of Doctor WTF and the forthcoming psychedelic Journal of Time Travel. And you can find me on comicsy.co.uk as Crazy Fox Machine. And you are listening to the Geek Show. I can't do yes. that. Uh, we are in our review section, and Chris is hey. going to be reviewing for us for the first one. No, second one. Sorry. Yeah. Second one. Let me get that right. Mm-hmm. And then, what are you reviewing this week, then, Chris? Uh, man- a manga? No, I'm not reviewing a manga. <laughs> I'm reviewing an anime that I can't pronounce. Bakem Monogatari. There we go. That's the one. Well, it's based on a light novel series and a manga, which yes. is great, and I advise anyone to go pick up the manga. Uh, the weird thing is, Back in Monogatari uh, loosely translates as a kind of monster story, mm-hmm. hmm. or creature story kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Well, I'm going to apologise to everyone for the names. So <laughs> I have a lot of idiots. You know, <laughs> Konami Abigail, hey? a, I can't pronounce her name at all. His name. Oh, that's a guy's <laughs> name. Aragi's the guy's name. I wouldn't think I'd watch this. Try it. Uh, say it slowly. All right. I'm just going to say, person is a third-year high school student <laughs> who survived a vampire attack. Insert Araragi there. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds now, wrong now. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. Let's insert. And is now almost human again. He has the ability to sense supernatural beings, including gods, ghosts, and spirits, and mythological spirits. One practically encounter him finds himself... Entangled with a strange, sharp-tongued girl named Hagari Sen- Hiragi. Hengari Sen- Hiragi. Hengai. I'll get there eventually. Hitagi. <laughs> there we go. Where'd you get the R from? I have no idea. Hitagi Senjogahara. Pretty much. Yeah. A girl who is two. Uh, a girl two years ago was attacked by a crab spirit. Uh, has lost <laughs> a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I find that hilarious. <laughs> uh, she keeps this a secret and threatens anyone who finds out. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Guami finds out, offering to help the girl out with help from. Did you just call him Guami? <laughs> <laughs> That's his new name now. Let's make it. Just, just let him do the review. Oh god, range. I hate the names. <laughs> with a help from a friend of his. Hataki eventually <laughs> confronts the crab. Do you know, you should just call them Jeff Emma and Sharon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just call them Jeff and Sharon. Yeah, Jeff and Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff let up and don't <laughs> to Sharon for helping her, but it's a little too late. Okay. The rest of the series deals with uh, Sharon, I think. <laughs> it, deals with, it deals with several characters, doesn't oh, it? I don't, it? There is quite a few characters, isn't it? Yeah. It's Dave, Sharon, Mick, Steve, Jess, I don't oh. know, all these different names. Robson. We'll name him Robson. 
Meeting the girls who have been affected by the virus, various spirits, uh, including snakes, monkeys, and cats. Okay. Scroll. Scroll. Yes. Oh, right. Scrolling, oh. scrolling, scrolling. Up, 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 up. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Up. Stop. <laughs> the character of Emily is sublime, and the main narrative is uh, capt- uh, captivating. The music uses quite a bit of range of moods, feelings, and each girl's arc even has its own opening theme. The sung by the voice of the actresses of that arc. The voice uh, acting is a uh, Miss Amina, Miss uh, Mismatch. I yeah. can't even read my own handwriting. The it's typed, often. which is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> a tried of a true voice actors uh, the previous Shaft series, as well as uh, people who knew to the company. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things they didn't lose, though, was their sterilized art, the colouring, and the background often matches the atmosphere. The background never gets too cluttered to the get in the way of things. There are some practically good pieces of uh, art at times, especially when Steve and Dave walk around their town <laughs> and the animation is typically busy. <laughs> You've been watching French time, again. <laughs> I have, yeah. And when the time comes uh, for something to be animated, it's animated well. Mm. Scroll. Stop. But in the end of the death, uh, which is Jessica entertains, but it, I'm sorry everyone, and Charming Carrie, in which the dialogue is witty, and those two things are more than enough to make an interesting and enjoyable series. Bad points, the story is sometimes hard to follow and to understand. The basic ideas of this series is nothing anything special really, and they're visibly struggling to make sense of the stereotypical elements. And of the names. <laughs> and their names, don't pay attention to their names. But in the end, it isn't its depth, which is uh, Bakumbarila, entertains its... Uh, Bakumonogatari. <laughs> but it's charming characters and it's witty dialogue, and those two things are more than enough. Five out of ten stars, I give it. I'd say give it a go, and try and figure out the names that I struggled on so much, and correct it's, me on Twitter. It's actually, it's a reasonable score. I'll give it, uh, and it's about the same as what I, would have sc- what I scored it yeah. um, when I saw it years ago. Uh, for those of you who uh, are wondering, the characters' names are actually <laughs> Koyomi Araragi uh, is the guy, and Hitagi Senjogahara is the girl. A quick hint, though, for the future. Japanese sounds are the same as English sounds. Yes. So that makes it... You try to overpronounce it. That's well, there problem. we go. That's my fault. <laughs> I'll eventually get over the hurdle. Yes. Uh, moving on, um, we also have uh, me doing Shakugan no Shana 2 Part 2, um, which again, it follows on from uh, the review I did uh, a couple of weeks ago of Part 1. It's based on the light novel series by Takashi Tashichiro. The uh, second half of this tale sees an increase in the amount of action and combat, and the, but the continued presence of the rather bland romantic subplot is surprisingly downplayed, which is a nice thing to see because it was really overplayed in the first half the art is very very much the same as before the character design hasn't really changed much overall but there are some minor improvements that make a big difference during action and com- uh, on combat scenes the settings and environments again have improved and more care has been applied to the visual effects because they're on display a lot more because there's more action there's more visual effects there's more of everything you know, so they've had to really focus on making them look good mm. Um, Animation-wise, the action sequences are uh, handled very well. Um, There are a few continuing minor issues, but because of the focus on action, these are very easy to overlook. 
He, again, the, because this is heavily focused on action in the second half, audio effects, again, have really come to the fore as well. All the effects, the visual, the audio, all of them, they have really focused on crafting them properly. They could get away with all sorts during the first half because it was very kind of staid and very plodding and you know a little bit supercilious. But now they've really had to push things. The opening and closing themes can seem a little at odds with uh, the second half's focus on uh, combat and all sorts of other shenanigans involving giant swords. But you know, it does. They do still kind of work. Both the English and Japanese dubs are pretty decent overall, but some of the actors have a tendency to embellish their roles and make the dialogue, dialogue sound a little bit odd. Almost like, you know, the children's cartoons, how certain characters tend to speak in those, in yeah, very yeah. kind of clipped tones with a little bit of an accent and, mm. you know, overplaying certain, you know, overstressing certain phrases and words. Uh, the script is decent for the most part, but the move toward action based dialogue can seem at odds with the more passive first half of the series if you are watching both halves together. Mm. Um, more focus has been given to the character development, which is a surprise. Uh, the, the throw the cub off a cliff approach is still prevalent here, but it has begun to give way to a more refined process of cause and effect. Um, one of the examples is uh, one of the guys who is kind of one of, the, one of the major supporting characters, the girl that he fancies gets killed in a place where she can be brought back to life. It's basically a deus ex, but it kind of shoves plot develop, uh, character development in a different way. Mm. Um, certain characters gain much-needed definition and begin to move away from being just supporting characters, but they never become full, leads, uh, full major roles in their own right. Overall, the focus on action adds much-needed intensity to the series, uh, but there is... There is uh, something missing, right? There's a lack of random kidnappings. <coughs> now, this might seem like an odd thing to say, mm, but definitely. yeah, it, the the bland romantic element is downplayed by the fact that there's more action. But the lack of random kidnappings makes the whole kind of thing feel a little bit silly, as it's an obvious card that any real enemy would play, mm. right? And uh, the enemy, you know, um, the enemy is supposed to be like really, really evil. So it's an obvious card they'd play. You know, they would they would kidnap the guy, uh, the lead character's mom or his friends from school because they don't have any powers. You hold them hostage. You know, Yuji's mom, for example, you hold her hostage. He's going to go fall all over himself to save her. Oh yeah. But they never play that card. Um, Extras, uh, there is episode commentary on the extra, extras. Both parts one and two are available in the shops now. Moving on. Hello. Hello. Okay. <coughs> uh, I'm uh, reviewing uh, Kids on the Slope. It's actually my first anime review, but yes. I'll go for it anyway. Uh, Kids on the Slope is the latest thing from uh, Shichiro Watanabe, who did, I think he did Pat Labar first. But he also did uh, Samurai, Samurai Champloo and Cowboy Bebop. Yep. Indeed. Yes, and yes. his latest series is based on something that's incredibly stripped back in comparison. Cowboy and Samurai are very flashy. It's all about the style. And in this case, there is none of that, basically. But uh, the basic setup is... Uh, what's his name? I, I struggle with the names. Not in the same reason that Chris did. <laughs> more, more on the reason that... The, each character refers to each other by different names. There's uh, Kaoru, who's also called Richie. Yeah. There's uh, what's the Richie. girl called? It's Rei-chan, but what's her full name? I can't remember. Ritsuko? Yes, that sounds right. And there's uh, Sentaro. Yeah. But uh, Kaoru is the sort of very uh, typical 
nerdy guy. He's stuck in his books. He's part of a upper class family, and he moves to this very small town in Japan. And this is all set in maybe the sixties, maybe the seventies. It's mm. it's post war period. It's before the contemporary period. So it's all about you know the personal interactions. It's the drama. It's a coming of age people for all these three people. In particular, a coming of age for Karu. And even though it's twelve episodes long, you spend a lot of time with these three people, and you get really emotionally invested in it. It's a simple drama, like I said, no flash. It's just about their interactions. It's about the misunderstandings. It's about young love. It is a coming of age in every sense. Uh, but the Japanese dub is pretty much perfect. I mean, you see a character and you think, I know what he sounds like, and the voice matches it. By the same token, the English dub, it's horrible in the sense that it's got these general ideas of characters. He's a, a tough big guy, so we give him a tough big guy voice. He's a skinny nerdy guy, so we give him a skinny nerdy <coughs> guy voice. And you don't really feel like, you know, it feels like a dub, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know when a, a character, when a voice matches, it feels like a living, breathing character dub, mm-hmm. no such thing. Uh, but the thing about it is, it makes, it made me, at least, feel nostalgic for a time when I wasn't born. Because it wasn't all about technology, it was about, you know, spending time with people that you love. And you do get, you do get attached to these characters. Now, the only problem I did, I mean, I really enjoyed it, it's one of the most... It's one of the biggest towns I've been invested with in anime, you know. I really care for these characters. But the problem was, it could have been an episode longer. Because I'm trying to skip around uh, spoilers. There's a point in the 12th episode where you can't really go any further with the current thing. So it's basically a time skip. And then there's a time skip and it has a little bit of drama. Yeah. I feel it should have had a whole episode dedicated to the eight years later scenario because in the last episode everything seems to happen a little bit too quickly as such the real sort of payoff the real pinnacle of the series is in the penultimate episode episode 11 but it's a fantastic series it's a fantastic package and much like Cowboy Bebop uh, Watanabe has this habit of making you fall in love with the world that he's painting and creating and again he's done it with jazz and cow like he did in Cowboy Bebop he's done it brilliantly he might have got me on the jazz side the devious fella but it's it's a great series on MVM very yeah. good I recommend it like 9 out of 10 it's again it's the only flaw is it could have been one episode longer to give the last episode a little bit more breathing space but yeah brilliant cool. I really enjoy I it I have to agree uh, I'll tell you what I have I have to totally agree with you as mm. I said to you before I gave it to you last week it's one of the it's one of the ones that was in my top ten of last year. Oh, I can understand. Um, it's not a good year last year. It's not a good year. Fair prayers, but you know, it, it it wasn't a good year last year. But it did make it easier to pick out things. Yeah, you know, pick out the real yes. gems. It, it's really you do get. It. And the, the thing is, uh, you I mentioned was heartbroken in episode eleven. I can only say that. You know, you mentioned Cowboy Bebop. Well, this was Watanabe and Yoko Kano teaming up again. It's this, the original score is very nice, and it's yeah. just that. Energy when they're playing jazz together, uh, Sentaro and some of those Katsu. songs. Uh, some of the songs are actually classic jazz. Oh, no, songs. I'm just yeah. saying the original compositions by Yoko oh, yeah. stand up equally as well at the classics. Oh god, yeah. So yeah, it's it's one of these series that if you are a serious anime enough, you need it in your collection. Oh god, it's yes. a very good package that MVM have put together as well. You that know, they were. Uh, I'm hoping somebody at some point does do like a, a, a Shinichi Watanabe collection. Yeah, but the only thing is. 
it's one of these series where it doesn't really need to be animated, but it has to because you can't have an actor yeah. who's that good at musician <laughs> exactly at instruments. That's the only qualifier for it to be an anime. Yeah. It could happily be a, a TV series. I, and everybody would be talking about do it. Do you know one of the things that really stood out for me in that series was the bit in the bar when they start doing the jazz and then the American guy start, uh, starts off with the Talking racist segregation and uh, black people music. Yeah, uh, yeah, that really got me because that really hit home with uh, the time of yeah, the uh, series. This is a, another character arc which kind of distracts a little bit. I can't remember the name of the characters. It's brother John and his... What was Junichi, it? wasn't it? Yes, and the... It's, no, I can't remember the name, but it's... Somebody who Sentaro has his eye on. There's another sort of arc there, uh, which doesn't a, really pay off in as. That was Eureka, wasn't it? Yes, that sounds right. It's not as doesn't pay off in, in a significant of way, but yeah. it, it's just one of those fail like twelve yeah. episode series. You will get absorbed by it. It's oh, yeah. beautiful stuff. Beautiful. Yes. <coughs> right, and finally, one final review, and this is for Grid Two. Yes, uh, sequel to Codemasters Race Driver Grid. Now, I'm a big fan of the original Race Driver Grid, but I like my racing games anyway. Is mm-hmm. this the one that descended from Toka to Rin Race Car way yes. back in PS1 yes, days? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is. It is the old, it is uh, a descendant of Toka, which was a great game. Uh, Codemasters have an excellent pedigree when it comes to races, and after a wait of almost of around four to five years, um, I was expecting good things from Grid 2. The game is held together by a relatively simple plot in which you are helping to create World Series Racing, a league that aims to find the best driver in the world from all disciplines. Basically, have all disciplines racing does, different cars on different tracks, so you have to learn how to drive different cars. Does that work, though? Because stories in racing games tend to distract. The story is very simple, and it's it's basically just there as a framework to hold together all of the races, all of the different types of races. Mm. And surprisingly, it does work. Fair enough. Right, um, because it's very minimalist in the way it's in the way it's done. It's very very minimalist. Um, one of the hallmarks of Race Driver Grid was the balance it achieved between the arcade and simulation racing. Grid Two leans more towards what many would consider arcade racing because of the increased usage of drift mechanics, a factor that may not sit well with those who prefer simulation racing, but will please those who like rally and street racing. Mm. Uh, over 70 cars to play with in 15 locations around the world and a variety of tracks, streets, mountain passes, circuits to race on. Live Routes is a new addition to the uh, to the game that actively changes the circuit that you're racing on while you're racing on it. So, uh, yeah. We'll, get, we'll talk about that in a bit yeah, more yeah. later on. Uh, controls are pretty straightforward but are sensitive enough to pose a challenge to beginners or those more used to grip racing. Uh, the game lacks the ability to tune or upgrade cars uh, in your garage in single player mode but multiplayer mode does provide you with this facility but it also gives you another garage and you can't swap the cars between right um, Grid 2's World Series racing actually comes alive in multiplayer mode especially when you're online because it has all sorts of features that are designed just for that the ability to record races posted on YouTube all sorts of stuff like that the ability to gain fans from YouTube because of the way you're racing or how aggressive you're racing, stuff like that. That's kind of the precursor to the PS4 share thing, isn't it? Yeah, the, it's all done through this thing called RaceNet. Um, you can gain ranks, followers, everything like that. It ties in really well with the whole idea of World Series racing. Uh, in terms of design, the simple user interface allows the players to dive straight into the game. Grid 2 has plenty of well-designed tracks, but there's a distinct lack of true racing circuits. Um, vehicles look... F- 
they look great, but they do like the kind of polish that titles like Forza or Gran Turismo tend to give their cars. Mm. Um, you know, other games where the car is the star tend to have tend to do better with their cars. But that's because Grid Two is more about the racing, not about the cars, and not about the drivers. Um, the environments are very, very, very good looking. Though. The environments that you drive through, and they have all sorts of lovely little animated touches, you know, and flourishes that you don't really notice while you're racing because of the intensity. But after, if you record your thing and go over it, you know, you'll see like little things like leaves kicked up and little squirrels running about and stuff like that, which is one of the things I like about it. Um, it's got very little in the way of actual character animation, but the vehicle animations are very good, especially when you're drifting. Um, the engine <coughs> noises are phenomenal in this game. And it's, you know, if you love racing, it's all the glorious sounds of you know, race meet uh, that you can hear. Um, the, good, the script is actually surprisingly good, and it's enhanced with some great acting. They do add to the whole idea of this being, of you being, uh, trying to help create this World Series racing. Um, in terms of enjoyment, Grid 2 has a steep learning curve that is emphasized by the sensitivity of the first few cars in your garage. Driving them can make you feel like you're driving on ice until you work out how best to control them. Um, the, the, I, I will give you a clue. Feather the accelerator when you're drifting, right? Loads of people yeah. have slated this game because of the drift mechanics, but if you learn how to drift, it can be very satisfying. Uh, live routes can be frustrating at times because it's almost impossible to remember the course. Drifting can be tri- tricky to master because it does require delicate control. Um, some people do find the lack of the cockpit, co- cockpit view annoying. You have two main views, back of the car and over the bonnet. You don't have a cockpit view. It doesn't really affect the game in any way, um, but you know, because all you're doing is uh, removing a bit of the immediacy from the cockpit view. But you have the over the over the bonnet view, so it's kind of half and half. Um, it is countered by the increased intensity from drifting and live routes, though, and the short ra- the short race length. It can be annoying as well because you only do like two laps in most races. Um, but it does add another layer of intensity because if you have to win in two laps, then you have to really go for it. You know, you have to really push it. Um, overall, Grid 2 is a bit unlike other other titles but emphasize competition rating, which may come as a surprise to uh, some people as it's something that's been lacking in modern driving games. Simple user interface and controls make it easy to get started, but the steep learning curve that comes with learning to drift can put some people off. Stick with it, though, because the game really does come alive after that, a bit like Dark Souls did. You know, you had to really stick with it and learn the game. Many people are judging Grid 2 by the standards of simulation races or arcade races, which seems a bit odd because Codemasters look like they're trying to achieve something different with this game, hence the w- w- the World Series Racing and RaceNet. It looks like they're trying to go fully online with this. Grid 2 is also, a bit trippy for you, the world's most expensive video game. Um, the special edition back mono is a one-off edition that costs one hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds. But for that price, you get back mono in custom Grid Two livery, which is basically a Formula a street legal F one car, oh my days. Uh, which costs about one hundred one thousand. You get a custom fit racing suit with helmet in Grid Two and back colours with logos. A day at the back factory and the chance to customise your car a bit. A special edition of the PS3 game and a PS3 to play it on. All for one lucky person who can afford it. Um, final thing about this game. Be prepared for sore thumbs. Seriously. That's basically what you're going to get. Racing game calluses. Yes. You will get sore thumbs playing this game. No. 
Hi, I'm Niall Mater, and I play Evan Cross in the upcoming Primeval New World. Uh, you might remember me from Eureka, and I used to play Zane Donovan. And you, my friend, are listening to The Geek Show. And I seem to be coming through louder in one ear than in the other. It's called mm. getting old, Rob. <laughs> I am not old. How broken have, ears. I'll have you know I'm not old. I'm not. Broken ears, then. I'm not, broken ears. I'm not. Anyway, old. welcome back to the Geek Show. We are in our uh, animation and graphic literature section for yes. our episode on ripoffs. Yes. Now you're going to have to take the lead on this a little bit. Yes. You're more of an authority than I, yeah. I am. All right. Uh, what's the difference between a spin off and a ripoff? Now, this might seem like a bit of an odd question, but during the 1980s, right, they came up with all sorts of spin off cartoons. Well, of existing TV shows, Mr. T. Not not just that. I mean, I don't know when it was, but there's like a, is there a Russian and a British Superman? I know there's definitely a British one. I might have just dreamt the Russian one. Those sort of things tend to happen. You might have done, but even so, that case. I know where... there was a Russian Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but the take these Vinnie Pooh. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you call it a ripoff, but they take a certain character and give it another origin story so it became a completely different character as in the case with the English Superman and you can do it with pretty much anything it's kind of the multiverse thing isn't it yeah one thing changes everything this is what it is now yeah it's what Marvel and DC have been doing for years rebooting and rebooting and rebooting because something changed the entire universe so we have to go back to the original universe is that retcon though yeah am I just getting bogged down it's retcon reboot whatever you want to call it you know uh, it's all basically the same thing when yeah. you're dealing with those companies. But, yeah, during the 1980s, they were guilty of uh, of stuff like this. Um, the Pac-Man cartoon, for example. Cartoon? Yes. There's a Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon as well. I remember that one, yeah. But Pac-Man, that's yeah. a bit more of a jump, isn't it? What about the e e e e e walks? I think, yeah, that was a show, wasn't it? I it was a kid's show, yeah. Because they did, it wasn't just Ewoks that was a, that was a spin-off of the Star Wars thing. There was Caravans of Courage as well. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, then there was the Dukes, which was a spin-off of Dukes of Hazard. Uh, the Adventures of the Gummy Bears, which was based on a suite of all the things. Well, this is the eighties you're talking about. Yeah. The eighties, even went. It's uh, yeah. it was well, a lawless time. It was Miss, all this time. Mister T with I Pity the Fool, um, Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Rambo and the Forces of Freedom. It doesn't matter what you say about Super Mario, the, the movie exists. What about uh, MC Hammer? Oh, we don't have MC Hammer. No, no, no. We're no. talking about spin-offs oh. and rip-offs. Right? We're not talking about MC Hammer. Oh, oh. A good you can't touch this. <laughs> um, the Funs and the Happy Days Gang. This I do Does he ride over a shark in that one as well? No, no. Um... <clears throat> As the great Wolfman Jack narrates, the Fonz, his dog Mr. Cool, and a future chick named Cupcake get zapped through time in the time machine, helping them get back to 1957 are Ralph, Malf and Richie. Apparently, Potsy was smart enough to avoid this farce. Hey! <laughs> yes, uh, Gilligan's Planet, which is obviously a blatant rip-off of Gilligan's Island... <laughs> Um, and Rubik's The Amazing Cube. You, I kid you not. You've got to be kidding. No. It looks like a Smurf. What is it? Cube. <laughs> it's, is it's, that cube exploitation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cube Smurf. But, 
That's just normal for the eighties, <laughs> no, no. though, wasn't it? It was like the back end of the age where we just, if we can do it and get money, we will do it and get money. Yes, capitalism rules. <laughs> the nineties kind of broke that. Yes, oh, I know. Really did. But this is the thing: you would call them spin-offs, but aren't they also rip-offs as well? Trying to make extra cash out of a particular franchise. Yeah, yeah the bit. same with uh, Justice League Doom, the animated movie, and then they did Young Justice, the TV show that yeah. came shortly out afterwards. Yeah, but Young Justice was just a kind of a rip-off of Teen Titans anyway. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Teen Titans was around a lot longer oh, than Young Justice. Long. I, remember I the, missed the mullets of the comics. No, I remember the first uh, episode, uh, cartoon uh, comics of Young Justice, mm-hmm. when yeah. uh, Superboy and uh, Robin and... Uh, what was it? Oh, Impulse. Impulse. They had to fight that woman with the massive headlights. Yeah. And Robin... Uh, no, Robin wanted to arrest her. Impulse was just kind of stunned, <laughs> rabbit in the headlights, and Superboy wanted to date her. <laughs> and she had to be held up by two guys. Yeah. Some big old headlights. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> she was too top-heavy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> enough of that. Um, it also had one of the best bits because uh, you know it's like broad daylight, and then Robin appears, and all, and Impulse just says it suddenly got dark, didn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> like nighttime there. whenever he appears. Yeah, no, it's in the there. comic. It's yeah. the way they've drawn it. Anyway, uh, yes, but yeah, spin-offs and rip-offs is also, but it's, it works the other way as well. Um, do you all, re- you guys all remember the Lion King, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, it was Disney. Yeah. Disney were pretty bad in the 90s. There's, what, three Lion Kings? Four, isn't it? There's, like, the Timon uh, and Pumbaa one no, as well. That was the, where they narrate all the movies and talk about their hidden was, bits between all of them. That was the third one, I'm sure. Was it? it? Yeah. Oh, it's Lion King 1.5, Lion King 2, <laughs> and Lion King 3. Lion King 1.5 is from Timon and Pumbaa's oh, perspective. Oh, yes, it was from. Mm. Yeah. What about Kimba the White Lion? What? Yeah, that's... Was it the guy? Well, it was a rip-off, wasn't it? Eiichi Yamamoto directed it in 1965, and the, Disney basically lifted it's, it's the, all sorts of things from Kimba the White Lion. It's and the guy who pretty much the godfather of manga and anime, isn't it? The, did Kimba? No, Tezuka, you, you mean? No, it wasn't Tezuka. I thought it was Tezuka, wasn't no. it? Eiichi uh, Yamamoto directed this in uh, 1965. Didn't Tezuka write it though? Actually, Actually yeah, it was. It was, uh, it was Tezuka Productions. Who made yeah. the original? That's yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's why I know it. Um, basically, that's a, that's a sort of hipster thing, isn't it? Just, oh, isn't Lion King brilliant? Yeah, but it's based off Tezuka the Lion. <laughs> the thing oh, is, the White Lion. The, even. Thing is, the subtlety, the the similarities between Kimba the White Lion and the Lion King, they're far from subtle. <coughs> they are far from subtle. It was in one letter here for, for the main things. Like. Yeah, hang on. It even got to the point where Matthew Broderick, who voiced Simba thought that Disney were remaking the show he'd watched as a child. He's older than he looks then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. going back away. Yeah, but the thing is, remember how old he was when he did Project X? Yeah. Yes. Which I said was his Rise of the Planet of the Apes was a rip-off of Project X. Because <laughs> it was. Yeah, but you're putting sequels in that. Sequels rip-offs. Yes. Anyway, um, but the thing is, when you've got the the guy who's voicing the lead character thinking that the company's remaking uh, the cartoon from when he was a kid because of all the similarities, including Mufasa's cloud head, right? <laughs> that is a scene from Kimba in the Kimba the White Lion. It's in there as well. Yeah, Muf- uh, Kimba's dad appears as a as a cloud lion. It was great in the the musical. 
<laughs> in London. It was good. Kimber never made a musical. No, um, Lion King did. Yes. Uh, I will ignore that one. <laughs> Brave Redeen. Uh, my neighbour Totoro. <laughs> my neighbour Pedro. My neighbour Totoro. No, no, no. The Gintama ripoff is. The oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> my neighbour Pedro. It, yeah. it's, it's just the big Mexican guy with no. Wearing we're, we're underpants, yeah. yeah. And he thinks, why are you keeping coming me out? Yes. <laughs> That's the best. Uh, no, that's a, that's the best parody of it. But yeah. my neighbour Totoro, um, John Laster was heavily influenced by that when he made Monsters Inc. Hmm. The whole thing with Sully and uh, and the kid. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a tenuous link. But now, going now he actually college. admitted it. No, I'm just saying, like, getting from my neighbour Totoro, which is all mother nature basically. The interesting getting... thing is, Darren Aronofsky. Right uh, before he made Black Swan, he uh, he's rumored to have bought the live action rights to Perfect Blue. He has actually he does own them. Yeah, just because somebody owns the rights doesn't mean they're going to do anything with them. Maybe no, they buy saying, the rights just to stop anybody else. I'm not. With I'm it. not saying that. I'm just saying it. that's yeah. that's a thing. I'm not saying that, but uh, I've watched Black Swan and Perfect Blue, and there's uh, more than a few similarities between the two. Well, Perfect Blue is basically a Lynch film, a David Lynch film. But I don't know, maybe Mulholland Drive, maybe the same. Which one came first, Chicken or the Egg, you know? Well, there's Mul- a lot of this. No, there's a lot of this. Drive. Even so, you know, there's a lot of inspiration between those two. Yeah, it's, well, uh, again, Satoshi Kon was a. Uh, uh, Paprika yeah. and Inception. He was constantly in the middle of the sort of. Yeah. Is this a ripoff of one of your things? Well, but Chris like, Nolan actually admitted that he'd oh, been no, heavily eventually. influenced after Satoshi Kon died. I haven't seen, you know, Paprika after. Inception. It's just basically a rip off. Yeah. But at the same time, I'd like to see somebody try to do Millennium Actress. That's going to take a bold. Oh, that will that will take play. a bold man. But uh, that actually brings up uh, brings up the question that we had for our graphic literature bit. Uh, I know we are almost at the end of the show, but I can ask this quickly: Where's the line between influence and rip off then? And the reason I bring this up is because Nick Simmons, right, a few years ago, he's the son of Gene Simmons from Kiss. He decided to make his own comic called Incarnate. And while he was doing it, he also decided to rip off entire panels from Bleach and use them in his comic. Well, yeah, it's the same with... Uh, you know, it's one thing to be influenced, but... Uh, stealing. David Cronenberg's son, I can't remember what his name is, but he made Antiviral, which is basically one of his dad's movies. Yeah. There's no real separation there. Is he just ripping off his dad because he knows that's a seller? It's an interesting question, which you don't have time to answer. But we can think about it, and if you have an answer, why don't you email us, studio at thegeekshow.co.uk. You know, we will read your answers out next week. Uh, one final thing. Yes, uh, the competition for a new logo is going on. We have extended it to the end of June. We have refused. Uh, refused. We have received <laughs> a few entries already. Uh, I apologise for not putting the post up. Uh, it will be up this week. Um, we have been The Geek Show. I've been Rob. I've been Chris. I've been Dan. And I've been Cyril Sneer. <laughs> yes. Dan, I, you I down have. raccoons! <laughs> <laughs> See you Run next week. with us! Bye. See you next yeah. week.
For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.